0: Micah chapter 7 this morning, as we continue our study through this great prophecy. Let's read verses 7 through 13 this morning. The Bible says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold His righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire in the streets. In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress even to the river and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain, notwithstanding the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you so much for our Sunday school hour. Thank you for these that are here. I pray that it would be a blessing to the listener. And I pray that you would guide us and help us open our understanding that we would understand the Scriptures. And be with every teacher, every listener. May you be honored and glorified in this place today. For Christ's sake, amen. Well, we touched on verse 7 last week, but I want to remind you what led to Micah making this statement to begin with. Remember, as we come to chapter 7... Micah is lamenting the lack of righteousness that is in the land. He said in verse 2, The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. Evil was seemingly everywhere. It was from the top down. The governmental leaders, the judicial leaders, and the rich men, they were all working together to take advantage of all that they could. And as is usually the case, once the leadership in the land becomes corrupted, the rest will follow. We're seeing that today. So, you know, it's it's kind of sad, but we're seeing the Bible unfold before our eyes, if you will. And so we saw last week that Micah warned: Don't trust in friends. Don't put your confidence even in the closest of your relationships. Don't trust your guides. Don't trust your spouse, don't trust your children, and definitely do not trust your in-laws. Well, that's, what he, that's what he writes, without the definitely. And so while this describes a great lack of righteousness in the land, listen, it was so bad, he said, a man's enemies are those of his own house. His own family was his enemies." And this lack of righteousness, it's still good advice today. Maybe it was was more wicked in his day. It sure sounds like it. Our day is getting more and more wicked. No matter the day you live in, this is still good advice. Don't put all your confidence, don't put all your trust into your relationships here on earth. Because we all are sinners. We all have our faults and our frailties. And the arm of flesh will fail you. With the exception of when Christ dwelt among us, no one yet has had a perfect relationship with somebody. There has been no perfect leaders. There has been no perfect spouse. There has been no perfect children or perfect (laughs) in-laws. But aren't you glad we know one that we can trust in, we can put our confidence in at all times? And so after describing this lack of righteousness, Micah then gives us verse 7. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Where do you look when all other relationships fail? You look unto the Lord. You look to God. Never put all your trust and confidence in people above God. Because people at their best state, the Bible says, are altogether vanity. They will fail you. And I got news for you, you're going to fail them as well. Psalm 118, 8 and 9, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Now this brings us to where we left off last week. Micah chapter 7 here in verse 7. Let's dig a little bit deeper into what's being said. This verse and its context are so critical because I'm sure you have as well, but I've dealt with those who have lost a valued loved one in their life and their world comes falling apart as a result of them having placed too much trust, too much confidence in that earthly relationship. And they have such a difficulty moving past the loss of someone in their life, and they end up stumbling in their Christian life as a result. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not being insensitive in any way. I could not imagine the heartbreak of losing a spouse. But if time, if the Lord tarries and time marches on, one of us is going to experience that one day. Unless we drive off the cliff together, you know what I'm saying? It's happening. I I don't know what that pain's like. There ought to be an appropriate grieving period involved with all loss. But I want you to understand this morning that a lost relationship should not sideline your walk with God. The most common scenario that I've dealt with is actually not a loss of a spouse, but the loss of a parent or a grandparent. And it has caused great distress in people's lives. They get confused. uh, How could God take them and... All these kind of things. And people will say things like, They were my strength. They were always there for me. They always helped me so much. Now praise God for godly people in our lives. And and for the time that God gives us with those people. But God is to be our strength. God is always there for us. And it is God who always helps us. Exodus 15.2, the Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare Him in habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee, He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And then Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So it is God who is to be our strength. It is God who is always there for us. And it is God who helps us. Amen. When we allow earthly relationships to supersede the place of God in our lives, then we have made them an idol in our life. It happens, I think, unintentionally over time. Relationships that started as as little children with grandparents. And that bond that takes place, and then when God calls them home, it causes problems. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have counselors in your life, or friends, or a family. I have all. Amen. There's nothing wrong with those things. The Bible is clear that all have something to offer, just don't elevate those above God in your life. That's right. And you need to learn this principle. Because the fact is, there may very well come a day in your life when it at least feels like there's nobody there for you. And it may come to the point where there is nobody there for you. And so we've got to understand this principle of looking unto the Lord. And so if you haven't learned to turn to God and walk with God in good times, That's right. you're going to struggle when the difficult times come because you didn't learn to walk with God in the seven years of plenty. And when the seven years of lean come, you're going to be struggling where to find your help, your strength, and who's there for you. So in verse 7, Micah, he's acknowledging that there is no one to look for for complete trust or complete confidence upon this earth. So he says, I'm going to look unto the Lord. That's where he has to look. Psalm 124 verses 4 and 5 I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord, O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. David looked nobody was there, so who else could he turn to? God. 2 Timothy 4, 16-18, Paul wrote, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me, strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So who do you trust to? Who do you trust in? Who do you look to? Who do you put your confidence in when there's nobody else? What happens when refuge fails you and there's no man to care for your soul? How do you react when there's nobody left standing with you and all others have forsaken you? Who do you look to for refuge, care, strength, deliverance, and safety? I hope it can be said of all of us that we run to the Lord. Not just in the good times but certainly in the bad times. Don't turn to substance. Don't just zone out. Don't turn inward, but look unto the Lord. This word for look in verse 7, it means to lean forward and peer off into the distance. Looking unto the Lord. He's, he's leaning for he's peering off into the distance to look for God. This word look is most often translated as watchman. Can you get the picture of a watchman on a wall? Maybe up in a tower on the wall. And the watchman's out there and he's, he's peering off into the distance and he's looking. Looking to see if enemies coming or something like that. He's keeping watch. In fact, this, this word is only used four times as Look. David said in Psalm 5.3 that he would direct his prayer unto God and would look up. The Proverbs 31 woman looketh well to the ways of her household. And the Song of Solomon woman is described as having a nose, as the tower of Lebanon which looketh toward Damascus. Now that girl had it going on. (laughs) She had hair like a flock of goats. Teeth like a flock of sheep that are even shorn, you know, none of, none of this. <laughs> which came up from the washing. She had a neck like the Tower of David, breasts like two young rows. Her garments smelled like Lebanon. I don't know what Lebanon smells like. She was terrible as an army with banners. Her navel was like a goblet. Her belly was like a heap of wheat. Listen, ladies, you may not like the compliment your man gives you, but we're doing the best we can. Amen? (laughs) Baby, you got a belly like a heap of weed. You're like a CJ7 restored with a hard top and full metal doors. you like a new set of wheels on a GTO. Hey, listen, the, the Song of Solomon woman didn't do too much better either. She had some crazy things to say. It'd be like Adrian saying, you smell like a frying pan of bacon. (laughs) I know that's going to be a good day. So what am I telling you, ladies? Just roll with the compliments, amen? We're doing the best we can. Now, in all seriousness, all those descriptions are very significant in Song of Solomon. Uh, I'd love to do a marriage retreat and go through Song of Solomon. There's so much good stuff there. Um, It's very beneficial for people that think God knows nothing about love and that relationships are just for procreation. You need to study Song of Solomon. He understands romance. All right, I'm getting way off track here. This word for look, it's like being a watchman. Standing on the wall, looking out for the people. Peering off into the distance. There was something out there. If if you saw something out there, can you imagine him kind of leaning forward to see as much as he could see, getting as focused on what it is that caught his attention off in the distance? One of the pictures I believe we can draw from this is when we are focused off into the distance, looking for God, everything else fades away, everything near, because you're focused off in the distance. You're looking for God. It's as if there's nothing else before our eyes. There was no help from mankind. And so Micah says, therefore I will look unto the Lord. Once we are focused on Christ, we see where our help will truly come from. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need, get focused on Him. In a time when there was a severe lack of righteousness in the land, when there was a lack of mercy and grace, when judgment and truth had fallen in the streets, Micah looks unto God. Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to look for the one who knows what it is like to be surrounded by unrighteousness. Jesus could not put His trust in friends. In fact, when Judas Iscariot came to betray Him, Jesus called him friend. And then He betrayed him with a kiss. Then all His disciples forsook Him and fled. Jesus knows what you're going through. We look to the one who knows what it's like to be surrounded with corrupted leadership. The scribes, elders, and Pharisees, they should have all recognized the arrival of their Messiah. But just like in Micah's day, the leadership had become more concerned about money than they did the Word of God. In fact, Jesus said of the Pharisees that they were devouring widows' houses. We look for the one who knows what it's like to not be able to trust in guides. The one the the ones who were supposed to be guiding the people in their walk with God, the council, they believed Jesus was crazy. They even accused him of being possessed with a devil. And they wanted him dead. We look to the one who knows what it's like to not be able to trust in family. Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in Him. And they harassed Him about going to Judea to show Himself openly to the world. In fact, the only one we find at the cross was His mother. What am I telling you? You look to the one who knows what it is you're going through. Amen. The one who said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be there for you. Amen. He knows what it's like when our friends fail us, our guides fail us, our family relationships fail us, and when there's corruption throughout the land, He knows. Amen. We have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, Amen. but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He knows how to get you through it, and come out the other side still standing righteous. And so we look unto the Lord. Get your eyes off of people. Look unto Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Peering off into the distance, everything else fades. We live in a nation which is becoming more like Micah's day with every passing year. And the speed in which it is happening seems to be increasing very rapidly. Who are you going to look unto? Who are you looking unto? If we're not careful, we can get focused on the wrong things. Boy, if we could just get the right guy in office. How has that helped in your lifetime? Boy, if we go back to the days of Reagan. Did we have revival under Reagan? Don't look to the wrong place. Now, thank God for godly leaders. I hope we get one. And we ought to pray that way. But that's not where the answer is. Don't look unto those things. We must focus on the Lord. Micah was on the lookout for the Messiah's arrival. He's leaning forward. He's peering off in the distance. We'll see more as this chapter unfolds. It starts talking more clearly about Christ. He says, I'm looking unto the Lord. He's looking for that day that... He would come and He would establish righteousness and He would deliver from sin and He would help the corruption that was going on in the land. And so He's looking unto God and His arrival. And John the Baptist, He actually saw the public arrival of the Messiah in His day. He said in John one twenty nine, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold, look upon Him, look unto Him, and be saved. The one who takes away sin, look unto him. And then, and then it, it said in uh, John one thirty six, look and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he John the Baptist said, "Behold the Lamb of God." We look unto him for salvation. We look unto him in our service. We keep our eyes on him to be saved and then we keep our eyes on him to continue serving him all the days of our life. Isaiah 45:22 Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. So for certain you're going to be off course if you've never seen the Lord in salvation. Amen. If you're here this morning without Christ, you're going to look to the wrong things. Amen. You need to be saved. And if you are saved this morning, you need to stay focused on the one that you're serving. Keep your eyes upon Him or else you're going to go astray. And now we are looking for our Lord's second coming. Somebody say amen right there. Philippians 3.20, for our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking. We're peering off into the distance. You with me? We're keeping our eyes focused. We're leaning forward. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.12, looking looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Keep your eyes on the Lord this morning. This world is going to go crazy. In the last days, perilous times shall come. How much more perilous is it going to get? Probably a lot worse. Just look to other countries. Amen? Right. We have some missionaries here. They can tell you, I'm sure. And so, listen, we keep our eyes on Christ. Yeah. Amen? Because we know that uh, wickedness is going to abound. It's going to happen. We're seeing it unfold. And so we keep our eyes on Him. We keep leaning forward. We keep peering off into the distance, and we look for His arrival because He's the only one we can put our trust in. He's the only one we can have confidence in. And He's going to return one day, and He's going to straighten out all of this mess, and He's going to rule and reign in righteousness for a thousand years. Whoop! Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But what did they do? The Bible says, having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they be mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. You see, this world is not our home. We have here no continuing city. We have no place to go where there's utopia. There is no new land. And if there was, we'd mess it up pretty quick. See also the United States. Keep walking by faith. Don't walk by your carnal sight. Keep looking by faith for the one who is coming again. Keep seeing by faith what God has in store for those who love Him. There's a better day coming. What a day that will be. When our Jesus, we will see. So we've got to keep our eyes on Him. Now, there's another application I think we can gather here from this thought of being a watchman and looking unto the Lord. I want to draw this out real quick before we move on. Even if all others were going to live in unrighteousness, even if all others are going to work evil, there was going to be at least one man who was going to stand upon the wall and who was going to keep warning the people as a watchman. Keep encouraging others to look for God's help and deliverance. We know Isaiah was another one in Micah's day who was doing that. But Ezekiel 22:30 tells us, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. God's looking for some folks that will stand in the gap, that will stand upon the wall, that will sound the warning. And I hope it will never be said of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle that we stopped standing in the gap. We need to stand before the Lord in the land in which we live. We need to be watchmen because our city needs some people who will stand and point them to Christ, that will give them the Word of God, that will declare His judgments, His wrath, His goodness, His salvation. Jeremiah 6.17, I also set watchmen over you. God said, I've, I've done this. I've given you those who will warn you. The watchmen were God's true prophets who sounded out His word as God instructed. They were obedient even unto death in some cases. They were hated because they lifted up their voice like a trumpet. And they showed people their transgressions. But they were faithful. Hebrews eleven thirty-two 32 through 40. And what, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon of Barak, of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. And then we get this. And others were were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. And some believe Isaiah was one that was sawn asunder. And he was contemporary with Micah. Gives you an idea of how bad it had gotten. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us. God says, I need some watchmen. I need some prophets. I need some people that will stand on the wall, that will sound the warning of my word, that will preach salvation. Micah was a true watchman. He reminded Israel of the ones God sent to them. Remember that in Micah 7.4. The day of thy watchmen, he wrote, and thy visitation cometh. Micah was reminding them, God has sent you watchmen over and over again. He has sent you prophets. He has sent you preachers of the Word of God. And yet you continually rejected His Word. And now that time that they warned of is about to come upon you. Ezekiel 3.17 Son of man, I made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Isaiah 62.6 I have said, watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Keep preaching. Keep at it. I've said many times, we cannot control the response. But we can stay faithful to proclaim the message. We are to keep giving the warning, of God's warning to sinners. We're to keep sounding that out. And we're never to hold our peace we're never to become silent. It is us, God's redeem. We look for the Lord in all of His glory as a blessing when He returns. Right? I mean, those for us who are in Christ, we think about the Lord's return and it should excite us. But we must always remember as watchmen there's a group of people that it's not going to be exciting for. It's going to be a day of God's wrath and trouble and, and God's going to take care of His enemies. And so as we're sounding the alarm as watchmen, as we're, we're, we're telling others to look unto God, we've got to remember that for what's coming to us as a blessing is going to be a curse to them if they don't repent and turn to the Lord. And so we've got we to keep at it. We can't keep silent. We've got to keep proclaiming the message. Now let's try to finish this verse. Notice the last phrase in verse 7. I will wait for the God of my salvation... My God will hear me. What a blessing. Micah, he says, I'm going to wait patiently for God. But in waiting, he's going to be confident that God hears and that God is going to respond. Waiting patiently can be difficult. Amen? Amen. Adrian doesn't even like it when the Popeye's drive-thru is wrapped around the building. No patience. Amen. What's well, it's a tough crowd this morning. Amen. We don't like to be patient. I don't like to be patient. Maybe I'll just put it that way. I want a new building. I don't want to be patient, Lord. It's been almost six years already. I will wait patiently, he said. Have you learned this? God does not operate on your timetable. Isn't that a bummer? (laughs) Listen, we don't have a God that we can just command around. He works in His time. I've learned that, and I'm sure you have as well. But I've also learned this now. While it may not seem He's at work, He is always at work behind the scenes, working His purposes and His plans. And when it comes to light, it all makes sense. And then we see what God why there was a quote-unquote delay. Because God was working other things. And so we just have to learn to be patient. He's doing things we can't see. His ways and thoughts are not ours. Because they're higher than ours. (laughs) Thank God. There's only one who can bring us deliverance. There's only one who can give us liberty in our sin-filled world. And it's our Lord Jesus Christ. We understand there is deliverance, there is salvation immediately when we place our trust and faith in Christ alone. But then there's also deliverance as we live out our Christian life as well. Because when we get saved, we still have a lot of lessons to learn, isn't that right? In fact, getting saved is just the very beginning. That's pretty much just getting into the the on-deck circle. I mean, we're not even up to the point. I mean, there's just a lot that we have to learn. And so we have to keep growing. And God has to deliver us out of it. He has to teach us things. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It's a good thing. It is good to wait for the Lord have you learned to wait sometimes God's going to put you in a situation you don't really want to go through because he's teaching you to wait (laughs) when we go to God we must understand that he hears us he hears us he wants to hear from us he delights in hearing from us assuming our walk with him is where it ought to be Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is His ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. You see, for Micah 7, 7 to be true in our lives, we must be right with God. We must keep short accounts with God. We must confess our sins to the One who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 66, verses 18-20 through If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me, He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God which hath not turned away my prayer, nor His mercy from me. Do you have that kind of confidence when you go to God in prayer? Do you know that He's hearing you? Or is there some iniquity that you're hiding and it's separating you between God and you're not getting your prayers answered? We need to search ourselves, examine ourselves. We need to do business with God, we need to be right with Him. Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplication. Because He hath inclined His ear unto me, therefore I will call upon Him as long as I live. We have a great God, amen? Amen. We have a great God. Are you going to Him? Are you looking unto Him? Let me ask you this. Are you right with him this morning? Our God is mighty to save. He's faithful to hear. But you need to run to God, believing that he hears us. And then you need to trust him to work on your behalf. Therefore, will I look unto the Lord? Let's pray.